It's Friday, February 7th, 2020, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Community watershed organizations, CWOs, are in every part of Pennsylvania, and wherever you find them, they're vital partners for state and local government, foundations, and NGOs in the work of protecting, restoring, and promoting waterways, as well as the landscapes those waterways sustain. Most CWOs are small, many are under-resourced, and some are entirely run by volunteers on a shoestring budget. They don't get a lot of attention, and often they're not in close communication with their counterparts in other watersheds. Luckily, though, these groups have a formidable ally in the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, also known as POWER. As a PAC affiliate, POWER provides support for watershed organizations to build capacity and coordinate better with one another. And this spring, Power is taking its show on the road with a series of workshops designed to help CWOs be more effective in their communities, wherever those may be. And that's just the first item on this year's agenda for Power. Here with a preview of those regional workshops and much more coming up in 2020 and beyond is program manager Tally MacArthur. She organizes many of those programs and activities as part of PEC's Watersheds team. Tally, welcome back. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me about Power, its mission, and what you are up to in 2020. What are your goals for this year? Yeah, sure. So Power, the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, provides tools, training, education, and other resources to what we call our community watershed organizations. There are about 170 of these across the Pennsylvania landscape, and they are uh passionate volunteers that do a lot of work to protect our water resources. And uh, we want to support their efforts. And Power exists to provide, again, those mostly educational resources and technical assistance, capacity building for those organizations. And people that aren't uh, involved in or familiar with the CWOs may know Power for its role in the Pennsylvania River of the Year program. That's right. And we just got a we just got a result. Yeah, we're really excited. Every year that we have our public voting, we get more and more interest in the River of the Year program. And this year, record number of people went online and voted for their favorite river. And we just recently heard that the Lackawanna River is 2020's River of the Year. And they're really excited. The Lackawanna River Conservation Association is really excited um, to have uh, been awarded that prestigious honor. And so they'll be planning events all throughout the year. That's right. It comes with a $10,000 grant, and they will be doing uh, river sojourns, paddling trips, cleanups, and I'm sure uh, a lot of other events to really celebrate and get people out on the water and to recognize that that is one of only um, only one of hundreds of rivers and streams in Pennsylvania that um, offer wonderful outdoor recreational opportunities. Okay, so with River of the Year now in the books for 2020, uh, you get to focus on something a little bit more immediate, and that has to do with like re- really kind of the the meat of what Power does in terms of working with watershed organizations. Yeah, that's right. We're excited to announce our series of six what we call regional workshops. 
So power sort of uh, goes out into the areas where our watershed organizations are, and we bring them an opportunity to um, learn about some new resources, uh, network with other organizations, meet potential partners for projects. And we are rolling out those beginning on March 25th. That is our uh, first workshop. It will be taking place in what we call our southeast region. And uh, we then follow that up with one in our south central region on March 27th. So those are the two upcoming uh, workshops. What goes on in these workshops? What, what should people expect? So, again, this is an opportunity for Power to bring outside speakers in with various expertise on topics um, to help build capacity to present technical uh, presentations on topics that watershed volunteers and leaders um, might not know so much about, um, and also to provide um, opportunities to meet with each other, share successes. Um, a really important part of these workshops is for each of the attending organizations to talk a little bit about their successes and their challenges, and to learn from one another. But then we also bring speakers from organizations, DCNR and DEP, so some of the agencies. We'll have presenters from the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, from Alarm, which is the uh, works with citizen monitors um, and wa- to uh, measure water quality, uh, county conservation districts. So we're really excited um, about the presenters that we have at each of these workshops. So not just an opportunity. I, I, not to diminish that actually is very important, an opportunity for uh, organizations to get to know each other and form relationships and network and work together, but also you know, a chance to pick up some real practical knowledge and skills. Yeah. So we present topics on what we call sort of organizational development topics, helping these organizations just be better, stronger, more effective nonprofit organizations. And then we round those out with more technical presentations. And uh, we've decided to really do some what we call kind of deep dives into some of the organizational development um, topics. So several of the workshops, um, we're spending a full hour on volunteer recruitment and management and even sort of understanding the psychology of the 21st century volunteer So the workshop agendas are not all exactly the same. Uh, It depends a lot on speaker availability, but then also regional interests. So we did a lot of research into sort of what are the needs in each of the different regions. And so one of the other organizational capacity trainings that we're having is what is called asset mapping. And it's a way to sort of evaluate the positive elements of your organization. So what resources do you have um, to um, be able to move? forward and engage in partnerships and work. So those are a couple of our um, more organizational development type trainings. So you mentioned there are regional differences that play into how you organize events like this. Uh, what are we talking about? Can you kind of gloss what a watershed organization in the Poconos is doing that's different from, you know, in southwestern PA or, for example? Yeah, sure. So when we reached out to some of our watershed organizations, some colleagues um, of mine that work at PEC um, in various areas to kind of talk about what's of interest – So, of course, in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, or what we call sort of the Susquehanna and Potomac basins, the uh, Phase 3 Chesapeake Bay watershed implementation plan is really all over the news. So that's the biggie. So we're definitely going to take some time to focus and provide updates on that that initiative with a really 
specifically on what watersheds can do to get involved in that effort. And then, for example, I found out that in the southwestern part of the state, that workshop is taking place in uh, in Ligonier on May 12th. So that's our final in the series. And I was told that a lot of the concerns there, and this is concerns everywhere, but specifically it was brought up that a lot of people are um, looking at increased flooding. So even in some of our more rural watersheds, we're seeing the impacts of heavy rain events and flooding. And um, I was told that getting some more information about how floodplain management works and also what does it mean to be a community resilient to the impacts of flooding. So we're actually going to focus a little bit on that in that particular workshop. Do you anticipate flooding being increasingly a concern for watershed groups? I think for sure. I think, um, in fact, we often use these workshops to try to get our finger on the pulse of what are people really interested in, and that helps us build our agenda for our statewide conference that we hold every other year. Um, so absolutely, we're going to see how that presentation in the Southwest is is received. And if there seems to be really a lot of interest in that topic, and we're hearing from other watershed organizations, hey, we want that same presentation, then that might be something we focus on at the conference. All right. Well, let's talk a bit more about the conference then, since that's the, the big marquee event coming up next year. It is. And we have locked in the dates and venue for that. It's our 2021 conference. It's going to be February 21st and 22nd. So similar to last year. That's a Sunday afternoon and Monday. And it's going to be in the same location, the uh, Wyndham Garden in uh, Bowlesburg, which is right outside of State College. Uh, It's a relatively new facility, but it got uh, a lot of accolades last year and we're excited to be able to go back there. I realize it's kind of early days still and you're just pinning down a venue and getting the the scheduling all straightened out. But what else is starting to materialize on the agenda for the conference? What do you think you'll be talking about next year? Yeah, well, we definitely – this is supported by a committee. It's not just me and my wonderful ideas. (laughs) Um, But I do have some that I'm happy to share. I've been lucky enough in the course of my employment with Power and Peck to travel to a lot of workshops and conferences. And when I was at those events, I went with a specific intent to participate in uh, presentations and workshops that I thought might be really relevant for our groups um, in Pennsylvania. And I really like the idea, and they seem to be really well received, of some two to three hour sort of more intense hands-on workshops Um, So I'm kind of trying to think about some opportunities to really give people a chance, again, a deep dive into a a topic. Communications, of course, is always a a big topic. How do you get your message out? The idea of storytelling, using photography, social media is still always on people's minds. Working with the media, how does one do that? Um, So that's something that might be a little different um, coming up in 2021, again, if I get the support of the community to pursue that option. Power's mission, I know it has a lot to do with the sort of convening function of getting groups together every couple of years, get them all together in one place. And in the meantime, you're doing the regional workshops. So there's this networking piece of it. And a challenge uh, in that area, as I understand it in the past, has been simply understanding who's out there, what they're doing, where they're doing it. You said, I think you said 170 organizations. I think last year when we had this conversation, we didn't even really know how many groups were out there. That's right. So how's that process coming? What do we know about CWOs across the state and what they're up to? 
Yeah, so that's also been, um, I have to, I can't help it. I'm going to have to use that expression, herding cats. Um, it's been, um, that is something that I have been working on also in the past year or so is really getting an understanding of what organizations are out there. Um, I always find that I occasionally I'll read an article, uh, either in the environment digest or somewhere else and I'll come across the name of an organization and I said, wait, I didn't know that one existed. So that still happens. And then of course, unfortunately, we have some that, um, are no longer as active as they used to be. So Power has been updating a contact database of our organizations. But more importantly, we've also been creating a GIS-based map. And so the idea is that uh, we had a map that basically just had points on it showing where the locations of the offices were or the mailing addresses. But that's not quite as useful, although it's helpful. It's not as useful as what we have now, which is a map showing the coverage areas of our organizations. And we did that in in order to be able for power to be able to see where in the landscape do we have groupings of watershed organizations that maybe we can help facilitate a little bit of strategic planning and bringing those groups together. Um, but then also where in the landscape does it look like, well, there seems to be you know a blank space where we don't really have any watershed organizations. And is that an opportunity to maybe facilitate some new organizations or see who else is out there in the landscape doing that kind of work? Um, so this is a map that is available um, for uh, public consumption. We're get, it's going to be it's on posted on our website on pawatersheds.org. And what we're looking for now is sort of an external QAQC. So we want to hear from our watershed organizations and let us know if we have your service area correct. Um, we guessed based on uh, not guessed, but we plotted them based on um, the creek, and we know that maybe some organizations might not um, be working on the entire length. Of uh, um, an area of a watershed. So we really want to make sure that we have the most accurate map possible. And we hope that eventually uh, people will, uh, concerned citizens will use this map when, let's say, they move to an area or they just decide that they really want to get involved in some uh, local community efforts. And they can use the map to see, um, is there a watershed organization um, in my area that I can get involved with? Right away, facilitating that goal of forming a cohesive statewide um coalition of groups. Is there a way in which maybe not this project specifically, but others like it might contribute to building a richer data set that would you know, inform the work that the organizations are doing? Yeah, funny you should ask that. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who uh, was curious about mapping some uh, – in- uh, adding some data layers, uh, things like municipalities and um, things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And we've also linked, we want to do a better job of linking our watershed organizations with our statewide water trail managers. And so if we can layer on our water trail managers and our PA water trails onto there, then that's an, another opportunity for partnerships. Um, I was also thinking about Trout Unlimited chapters. They do a lot of the similar work in terms of restoring and um, habitat in streams. And that's another organization that would be really great to be able to layer so that, again, a watershed organization can say, who else in my region is out there that I could partner with or engage with on maybe a larger scale project? Equally important to the convening function that power executes is the capacity building role. I know that like a, a big part of what you do is helping organizations, uh, you know, supporting their work in their communities. What are some of the like skills and, and knowledge that you're arming these groups with to help them fulfill their missions? Yeah, so Power is really excited to have received um, a small grant 
to develop what we're calling a a civic engagement training curriculum. We all know that municipal government structure in Pennsylvania is very complicated. I've heard that. And uh, for those of us that even uh, had civics in school, few of us probably remember it. Um, But one of the really critical things that Power has been promoting is that watershed organizations should be partnering more with their municipalities, whether it's on the MS4 work and permitting or um, some of these counties pursuing these countywide action plans uh, in the Chesapeake Bay region. But we're finding that people um, might not have a really great sense of what does that mean to partner with my municipality? Like, who exactly is that? And so we want to develop kind of a, a training curriculum that will empower groups to understand uh, their municipal government structure. So who does what? And what decisions are each of those um, various, uh, whether it's a board or a township supervisor or a town manager, um, the difference between the planning commission and the county conservation district, to kind of get a better understanding of who makes what decisions so that they can get involved uh, at the right place at the right time. And um, also to get, and, and the real focus of this is to convey that a lot of decisions that impact water quality and water resources are really truly made at the local level. And so um, getting involved in, and kind of conveying the impact that you can have on your local water resources by, you know, going to town hall meetings or um, or commenting on an ordinance proposal. Um, but a, a people can feel sometimes intimidated to do that or they don't really feel like maybe they have the expertise, but it's not always about expertise. Well, and these are small, often volunteer, entirely volunteer organizations that simply don't have the capacity that an organization like Power. Right. Know. That's right. That's true. And we're not – Our certainly our goal is to not tell people um, that they need to get involved. but. To right. Kind of show them the potential impact of making a few uh, critical uh, approaches to local municipal governments and just um, you know showing up and understanding and being part of the decisions that are being made that impact water quality. So that's a, a project that's a little bit further down the road, but do you cover those kinds of things in the regional workshops that are starting? Yes, absolutely. So one of the uh, on every single one of the agendas, we've set aside some time for power to convey a few of our um, upcoming of initiatives, and we are definitely going to be sharing that and getting some initial feedback on what might that curriculum look like and what should we address. When we talk about supporting the work of watershed organizations, uh, giving them not just sort of practical knowledge, but arming them with arguments that they can deploy in their communities and whatever context they find themselves in, what else is power doing along those lines to help groups make the case for what they do? Yeah, we have thought a lot about that, too, um, partly through my experiences uh, writing some grants and uh, writing some um, presentations on what power does and, and who we support. And we know for certain that these organizations, these CWOs, watershed organizations, are doing amazing work on the landscape. Um, but sometimes we've had a little bit of a hard time sort of quantifying that, right? Putting actual numbers on what are these organizations doing. So power is in the very initial steps of trying to uh, create and consider some metrics that we can use to measure what work is happening at the local level by these watershed organizations. So um, how many 
trees have they planted? How many uh, linear feet of stream have they um, planted with, with trees or riparian buffers? Are they engaging in actual habitat restoration projects in streams? How many of them are still engaged in doing um, acid mine drainage and remediation work? And, and what kind of work are they doing there? How many education and outreach um, activities is, are going on that are being promoted and hosted by these watershed organizations? And how many touch points are there with members of the of the public that are um, becoming more and more aware of, of the importance of protecting and restoring our, our watersheds and our rivers. So power would like to be able to create some sort of metric to start measuring that and then eventually collecting the data from our organizations and creating some sort of final report of sorts. And really the target audience for something like this um, is not only funders to be able to say, hey, look what we're doing, um, but anybody, a new volunteer that might be interested in in working with your watershed, um, a new business partner that you're trying to woo, um, somebody you're trying to even get them on your board of directors to really be able to say, this is what we're doing. And, And more importantly, to not say not just what are these organizations doing individually, but collectively, what is the impact that we're having on the landscape because these watershed organizations are out there, like you said, impassioned volunteers. Um, and we'd like to just be able to support those organizations when they are trying to make the case that we are a valuable asset on the landscape. Um, and here's why you should join us and support us. So you can see how powerful it would be to have that level of granularity in the data. And you know, there's not much of it right now, or at least for Pennsylvania. I do have the impression, though, and tell me if I'm wrong, that there exists some research, perhaps at a national level or in other regions, to suggest that simply the presence of a community watershed organization in an area correlates to all of those impacts that we're talking about. Yeah, we have seen exactly one study (laughs) that has come out and demonstrated that. Um, So that was kind of what triggered this whole idea, actually. Um, That, and again, being able to sort of write when I need to, you know, the impact that power is having and the impact that these watershed organizations are having. So yes, we've seen one study that has sort of correlated the existence of watershed organizations with um, water quality. We'd love to also see if we can find correlation between, you know, education and outreach, maybe even like a little um, economic boost or vitality in the communities um, brought about by um, organizations that are protecting waters, then then people want to get in and play in and recreate on and paddle on. Um, So power, again, it's it's the river of the year, as you mentioned. It's our uh, sojourns. We didn't even talk about sojourns. That's right. So I think our grant program is now open for um, sojourns. So you know, power doesn't just focus on clean water just because we want clean water. We really are excited about people recognizing the value of clean water because it's so much fun to play in and on. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a very busy year ahead of you, so I won't take up any more of your time, but I really appreciate you coming by to talk about uh, power and what, what you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much. And all of this information is on our website, uh, www.pawatersheds.org. Um, We have all of our regional workshop agendas are uploaded. Registration is currently open for two of those. So if you are in the southeast or south central regions, hop online and register for those. And we will get uh, the word out when registration opens for the other four. And for for all of these events and many others, you can find details on the PEC website as well in the events calendar. And we will be sure to include links and uh, details in the show notes for this episode. Wonderful. Thank you. Tally, thanks again. Oh, you're very welcome. It was a pleasure. 
You can connect with Power on Facebook. Follow their Twitter feed at PA Watersheds. Again, links for those and more information on the workshop series are in the show notes for this episode. Follow Peck on Twitter at P-E-C-P-A and on Facebook where the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. You can find past episodes of the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast, videos, articles, and more covering our watersheds work, reforestation, energy and climate, policy, and much more. And you can keep tabs on the latest from Harrisburg on environmental and conservation issues by way of the Peck Bill Tracker. It's a comprehensive list of uh, what's moving or about to move or recently moved in the state legislature. Information about upcoming hearings, uh, meetings, and uh, other events happening in the capital and throughout the state on the PAC Bill Tracker. Again, that's all at PACPA.org. That's all for now. Hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks when we return with more conversations on Pennsylvania legacies. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.